Hi everyone and welcome to episode 171 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here as always with Lauren. Hello. How are you today Lauren? I'm feeling very good thank you even though I've only had like five hours sleep you know it's all good. You had a very um, full-on birthday celebration yesterday. I did it was fun I had a few girls. There were three cakes. There were, yeah. Well, we didn't eat all of them, though. Um, one of my friends makes cakes, and they're delicious. Oh, my goodness. And she designs them all herself. And, um, yeah, she surprised us with a unicorn with rose gold little, like, doodads all over and a rose gold um, a rose gold horn. I know that that's, like, really basic, but, like, oh, my goodness, I freaked out. I was just like, this is amazing. And it tasted so good. It tasted so good. For reference, this cake was bigger than most people's heads. It was so heavy. And um, it was like, oh, what was it? Like five layers? Five layers uh, of cake? Potentially more than that. It was it was intense. If you add all the icing, because there was like um, flowers and stuff all oh, over it. So yeah. Good. Yeah. But no, I approve. So that's our very uh, relatable Final Fantasy intro to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> podcast yeah i hope you guys tasted all the flavors of the rose gold unicorn cake i did mm-hmm. it was actually rather scrumptious and yeah the other two cakes just got left i know like i bought two cakes just you know because um, you know you, you can never have too many cakes no, right you can never had too many sometimes cakes. if you have one cake it's just not enough and well yeah i just wanted to have something because one of my friends is gluten-free and you know i wasn't sure if she would be accommodated for and then hannah made a gluten-free cake so then it was just like oh my goodness you are amazing but yeah so there we go intro to the podcast i think that's the first time we've ever talked about gluten yeah getting that gluten Mm. i imagine some of the final fantasy characters are gluten-free and some of our listeners as well yeah so you have been represented you're welcome um so today (laughs) we are talking about final fantasy 16 specifically our hopes and dreams Mm. we have some Yes, we do. Um, we've also got a load of questions as well. And actually, the main topic was suggested as a topic for us to cover. So, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah we full... were tempted to have it last episode, but then we were just like, no, it's, this it's is too, too big much. of a topic. Yeah, this is too much. We were like, well, we could tack it on as a smaller question at the end. But no, we've decided that we're going to surface this right at the beginning of episode 171. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Uh, for you new folks who are listening, though, Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. And we have a new show every Tuesday, working in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union. We also come out on the iTunes Store, as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com, where you can find all our news coverage. All right, we're now going to go on to our Patreon shoutouts, Lauren. So if you could kick things off. I will kick things off. All right, first off, we have Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Then we have Lewis James. Blue Machine at Blue Machine. Chris Morales. Eric Decker at Choco Taco. Nahi Kablawi. Marcus Karnecki. Josh McNabb. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen at Masker 23. Zach Duranto at Zed Duranto 58. Mike. Dustin Smith. Tyson Wildman at Ty Wildman 1. Ishbel Ayala at Red Peppers. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Mario Herker. Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail. Mohammed Kayum. Rachel Casterton at Urbion Ray. Fatanitas. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Zach Porter at Porter Paradox. Miles Ribbons. Richard Holman at Vex Lennon. 
Rob Porter at Squirty Birdie One. And David C. And actually, last episode, so I actually spent a lot of time reworking the Final Fantasy Union website to get the Discord logo on there, and I forgot to talk about it until right at the end of the show. Oh, dear. So if you didn't manage to make it all the way to the end of the show last time, this will be new information for you. But now, we have talked previously about the fact that we do have a Discord server, uh, and if you go to FinalFantasyUnion.com, you will now see a big Discord logo right there, slap bang, on the right-hand screen of the homepage, and in the footer of every other page. Mm -hmm. So if you want to uh, join our community, which now has, we've got over 300 people on the Discord server, and it's it's a great place to discuss the podcast, because... There's not really anywhere that people can go to discuss the various things that we talk about. And uh, since we've set the Discord up, it's been a great place for people to actually talk to us about some of the things that we discuss, talk to other people about the, the the topics that we're running through. So if you do want to uh, discuss whatever we have talked about on the show in more detail, then definitely join the Discord server. and Or can... just like talk about anything because we do have a lot of channels set up. Um, we have a lot of people who are still playing like Comrades, um, Opera Omnia, Record Not Keeper. so much the Comrades. Not, maybe not the Comrades, but Opera Omnia is definitely still big and... Um, yeah, they just discuss strategies, discuss interests. Final Fantasy VII Remake is also a topic that Kingdom people Hearts like to talk too. about. Kingdom Hearts as well. And actually, um, uh, Kingdom Hearts Union has actually started up their Twitch streaming again. So definitely, if you're interested in that, check that out. Um, they've probably announced it on their last podcast. But um, yeah, they they definitely are doing the streaming thing. And then also, on top of that, on our YouTube channel... I'm starting to stream again, and I know that this is uh, quite controversial, and I'm sorry about this, but um, I have decided to disband the Final Fantasy XV Royal Edition stream just for now. Um, I I don't know. like I just feel like it's the right move. I've taken a bit of a break uh, from the streaming just to get caught up on work, and it's just the thought of doing more Final Fantasy XV overwhelms me. There is just too much to do in that game to fit in within two hour streams a week. Like, it's just way too much. I feel like every episode, I'm just like, we're doing another hunt. Yay. Like, so I just want to play a game that I have a bit more insight on because I have only played Final Fantasy 15 once. And so I just want to play a game like Final Fantasy 10 2 that I have played over and over again and um just really want to play again so definitely keep a lookout for that i'm starting up on wednesday i may change the days around so i'll let you guys know but um i'm starting up on wednesday on our youtube channel at 8 p.m gmt so definitely well 8 30 p.m gmt i changed it to 8 30 because my daughter does not like to sleep uh but yeah thank you for sharing that lauren you're welcome <laughs> So today's topic is Final Fantasy 16, or hopes and dreams. And as I mentioned, it was uh, it was actually came off the back of the last episode uh, and the episode before where we were talking about different things. And Brayden and Squirty Bertie got into uh, various discussions about Final Fantasy 16. But just to kind of set the scene around this, um, it's I guess it's a kind of a weird situation that we're in at the moment, but not too weird. I mean, like, so if we're going back to the olden days of Final Fantasy. We actually had a weird situation where they announced three Final Fantasy games on the same day. So they had Final Fantasy 9, 10, and 11, which they announced in January of 2000. Could you imagine if they did that now? Uh, it would be absolutely crazy. <laughs> like three major games all at once. If It'd they... be like announcing like Fallout like 5, 6, and 7 
on one day. Well, I imagine like uh, this E3 of this Sunny Tower said, actually, we're announcing Final Fantasy 16, 17, and 18 today. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake is coming out now. And yeah, it would be be insane. But yeah, I mean, the other weird thing is that obviously they announced Final Fantasy IX and it released like seven months later in Japan, at least. Uh, Obviously, it took us a little bit longer to get it in the West. Um, but yeah, like I guess back in those days, it wasn't too uncommon because they had so many games coming out. Yeah, and like there's pretty much they were throwing out a Final Fantasy main series game every year. They were still kind of like riding on the coattails of um of like Sakaguchi and like sort of them being a well-oiled machine because like yeah, Final Fantasy seven um seven eight nine like they all kind of came out within like sort of a very short space of time of each other. And so it's just like the runoff from that. And yeah. then we get to the future. Yeah, well, I mean, they actually announced Final Fantasy XII uh, before ten and eleven released. Which is just so crazy. Twelve was announced in 2001. And obviously they had to talk about it quite a lot because of the merger. So mm. a lot of the investors and the press were like, you know, what's happening with this game? Blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, they announced, obviously that came out in January. Uh, they announced that in January 2001. Final Fantasy X then came out seven months after that. And then Final Fantasy XI came out a year after that. So basically, like, from those initial three announced games, 9, 10, 11, they came out one after the other, like, yeah. one one every year. But I guess that must also be because, like, they were really organized with regards to the um, with regards to the teams because yeah. each of those games had it. Well, Ito did work on 9, didn't he? Yeah, so basically the reason why they could do that is because 9, 10, and 11 were being worked on by completely different teams. Yeah, so they exactly. were all working at the same time, which is why they could have one release that year, yeah. one the next year, <clears throat> one the year after. It's like Final Fantasy 9 release that gave Ito a bit of more of a break, and then... And then obviously Final Fantasy 12 they could announce because that was again being worked on by kind of a different team. So yeah. Ito was obviously working on it, but it was a lot time. of the, the tactics guys then moved over from Vagrant Story to work on that. And they'd actually already been working on that for a year when they announced it. Uh, but obviously, that's when things started to go a little bit wrong because yeah. Final Fantasy twelve just had problems during development. And it ended up releasing, I think, maybe two two three years after they had planned mm-hmm. so and they couldn't have they couldn't have ex- like planned for that no but then but then they just kind of even though the errors weren't really related so obviously final fantasy 13 was announced a couple of months after 12 released in japan so again that's kind of along the lines the same lines um but then they kind of had the problems again with 13 where they um started developing on the wrong console and then they decided to change their minds and then that ended up taking a while. Mm-hmm. But they did actually announce Final Fantasy fourteen before thirteen came out. So we were kind of in a similar situation again where we had games to kind of look forward to um, very soon after the previous ones had released. Then we had 13 and 14 come out very close to each other. So we had those a year apart. And then like we kind of went into the period, I guess, of somewhat darkness Dark ages, yeah because after 14 came out we didn't hear anything about a main number series game until 14 was kind of being revived yeah and that was the other thing the other blowback as well was that they 14 just didn't do well like it just wasn't for some people obviously some people did like the first version the first edition of final fantasy 14 but it just wasn't up to snuff for the rest of the community and um so yeah, like they had to completely have somebody come in, take over, and then completely redo everything. And that took a while. So yeah, it wasn't 
like obviously 14 came uh, was announced in or came out in September 2010. Mm-hmm. They announced A Realm Reborn in July 2012, and that and then it didn't release until August 2013. Um, and by that point, Final Fantasy 15 had been announced as as the rebranded mm-hmm. versus 13. Um, so we we kind of had two games again that we were looking forward to around Reborn of Final Fantasy 15. Not only that, but like Final Fantasy 14 was like free forever. Yeah, free for a very like, long period of time. So long. So they were just like not making money off of 14 at all. No. <laughs> and like, you know, we're, we're kind of in a... It's been... We've been in a situation before, obviously, between 12 and 13. There were just like five and a half years between the announcements of those games. And we're almost at five years now since the last main Final Fantasy game was announced, if we're excluding the Final Fantasy VII Remake, because it's not a numbered title. I'm, I'm kind of excluding that from this equation. Um, and it's also the longest we've had to wait, really, following a, the previous release of a game before they've announced something new. It's kind of a, like, it's kind of weird, like... I. We're we're kind of in like a, a weird situation at the moment where there isn't really, apart from the seven remake, there's pretty much nothing on the horizon really for us. Yeah, and- I mean, I think a big a big point about that is just the fact that well, one, they haven't necessarily been able to keep up. It it almost kind of seems like Square Enix is constantly like treading water. So they're just like, all right, we'll make this game. We'll make this game. Like, this will be great. This will be great. And then, like, the, they wait too long and then the new product comes out and then they're just like, crap, we have to we have to do it for this thing now. Like, we really should do it for this engine instead of this engine because this engine's better. So let's just move everything to this engine. But they forget that that still needs time to do that. So not only that, but they're not, like, they don't have another team in the back end to sort of work on something else while they're sorting out this problem they just kind of let them do their own thing and then they just like it's it's all just very very jumbled i mean like they haven't they haven't recovered at all from farfazi 12 like yeah because obviously that i mean yeah like the decisions they made around 12 um that well, that, that kind of had to make that delayed it the decision they made around 13 that delayed it the decision mm-hmm. they made around 15 that delayed it the final fantasy 14 kind of uh redo but maybe that's like, it pretty as much well. every product since uh 12 including 12 has gone wrong maybe it's way. also like in a way it's it's a testament to the wrongness of um of uh oh, why is his name why is his name fading me uh square enix's old boss not sakaguchi wada um the polymorphic content see i remember polymorphic but i don't remember wada like seriously um but anyways uh yeah like his polymorphic uh content like polymorphic content kind of works for some things but he just put way too much into it like he just and maybe he put some of his eggs in the wrong basket as well. I mean, considering like think, 13 last. I think part so of it as well is that they, I know that development does take longer now and we yeah. can't, we can't forget that. But, no. you know, if you're listening to stories of the older games and what happened during development of those, I think they were just a lot more clinical around things. Yeah. Because um, like, I think when Sakaguchi was in charge of stuff, he just was like, we've got to get it out. We mm-hmm. have a time frame. We've got to do it. And they just had to try and make things work with what they had. Like the exactly. stories that are in the Ultimanias that we didn't ever really have access to back in those days. And obviously like the media wasn't around for us to learn about all these things that ha- were happening. But, you know, the fact that we know that halfway through Final Fantasy X's development, they completely changed the entire main cast. We just didn't know about it. It wasn't surfaced. Like Titus was the only character that got retained from the original vision of the story. 
Final Fantasy VII, like we know that like uh, there was a, a large portion of people that due to time constraints just wanted to cut Yuffie mm-hmm. and Vincent from the game entirely. And it was only because of some people kind of fighting and saying, no, we can still make it work. Like just give us a chance to put them back in that we even got them in as optional characters. Like there are so many kind of all those stories and Cry- Chrono Trigger as well had like horrible, horrible things happening. Like Final Fantasy 12, sorry, Final Fantasy 7, they started work on that and then they had to stop to go and work on, to get Cry- Chrono Trigger out. But it didn't have a detrimental impact on either of the games. And actually with Final Fantasy 7, they were able to kind of go back and say, actually, no, this story that Sakaguchi's proposed maybe isn't the best one. Let's try and do something else. But with like Final Fantasy 13, they were they were developing it based on the Final Fantasy X 2 system. Like they had a decent amount of progress on the PlayStation 2, and then the Final Fantasy um, 13 tech demo uh, work started, and they were like, "Well, we could do so much more if we released it on the PlayStation 3 instead." So they basically went back to square one on the entire game, and like just tossed like a year and a year to two and a half's work on the game, which is pretty much what they've done with the Final Fantasy 7 remake now. Yeah. And like that's going to run into the same issues as well because I mean we have the PlayStation 5 and possibly I mean I don't know maybe not X- next Xbox, but I definitely think that PlayStation 5 is on the horizon. And um well, Kingdom Hearts 3 suffered Kingdom as well Hearts because 3. they yeah. did a load of work on it and then uh Square Enix higher ups were like actually no we need to use the Unreal Engine now for this. And- I just don't see like I know that they only they always want to push the envelope, don't they? They always want to have the best quality or whatever. But the problem is is that like they don't take the Atlas approach in work. It's exactly what you said. Like before, they sort of worked with what they had. Atlas works with what they have. They didn't go to the PlayStation um, Four until they were ready. They didn't go full pelt into the PlayStation Four until they were ready to make that jump. Hence, why play, uh, Persona Four is still on the PlayStation Two. Well, Sakaguchi also um, PlayStation like, Three. He pushed, oh, wait, was he... it PlayStation Three or PlayStation Four? Which one? I can't remember. Wait, Persona Five is the only one that's released on this generation. The only one that released into generation. Persona did, Four was the only one for last generation. Was that on Was that on PlayStation Three or was that on PlayStation Two? That might have been PlayStation Two. I think I'm getting yeah. that wrong. Yeah. So like PlayStation Two, like um, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must have been because it was a uh, place. Uh, Persona Three and Persona Four were on the PlayStation Two, and then they moved on um to the PlayStation Three. But still, Catherine was still quite basic. Like they didn't do um really a JRPG for that one. Um, but they waited until they were ready. They waited until they were ready. They like pretty much skipped a generation, but did other things. They obviously did other games or whatever. But they skipped a generation and then released Persona 5 on the PlayStation Which 4. I wouldn't particularly be happy about having to wait that long. No, but we have to do that anyway, really. I mean, like... Yeah, with only, Final Fantasy 15, like, 10 years. You know, we we have to... We had other games to sort of distract us, but at the end of the day, the thing that we wanted the most, we had to wait a whole generation to get, really. Um, but, like, yeah, they just... Um, I think... Square Enix needs to start being realistic about what they can achieve and like sacrifice some of the sort of futuristic we're pushing the boundaries and stuff just so that they can produce a quality game again just so that I they think, can produce I a think quality story. We've seen so many times that um yeah great you can have the technical capabilities and you can push things in that way but ultimately that's not really what matters like nintendo have showed time and time again that you don't need to have like the best graphical fidelity or anything like that as long as you make a a good game 
Mm-hmm. Like that's you don't need all of the other stuff. No, it's because they've never had the higher power consoles. They never have that anymore. They just make something that's fun. And you can kind of see it with Final Fantasy 15 in that, like, they aimed for quality, and the quality wasn't even necessarily there. Like, well, they, it wasn't even that. It was also that they tried compelling. to they tried to push things in a way that they weren't comfortable with. And we've yeah. also seen with Square that when they do that, it's good for experimentation, but. Like they they often kind of just overstep themselves. Like when mm-hmm. Kataze suddenly said, "Oh, I like first person shooters. We should make a first person shooter game," despite having no experience in it, yeah. and then brand it as one of our big properties. They got it, a bit too confident. It's like if, if you're looking back at Square as opposed to Square Enix, they used to do this all the time. They they constantly experimented with different genres and different niches and stuff, but they didn't ever brand it with their biggest yeah, game. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't ever like. Um, I guess Final it's, Fantasy Bouncer. <laughs> it wasn't. It was never detrimental to the to, to existing properties. They always yeah. they always tried to create something new. So like Ergies, yeah, sure, they had some Final Fantasy characters in there, but it was a completely separate game. Mm. Like Bushido Blade, and like they, as we mentioned in a video, we just did they did like driving games and all this kind of stuff. They didn't ever um, impact wider things they were working mm. on. It was just okay, so we can try this out if it works great, and then maybe we can incorporate that into something else. But, like, we're not going to say, oh, like, we're going to experiment with our biggest brand. And then if it doesn't work out, people are going to be like, oh. But then at the same time, it's a bit of a thing where, like, um, if they don't do it now, how do they market it? How do they make people care? And, like, I think Square Enix has also suffered with um, with new IPs. They really, they're really worried to push out new IPs because they don't always do well. I mean financially like the world ends with you was not a financial success but that's the whole thing about like building up from a base right yeah. so they've decided with tokyo rbg factory they they did new ip i am set yeah. they yeah. pushed it it did okay lost sphere hasn't done anywhere near as well but that's like it's okay because the first game did really well they showed that they had the potential to yeah, make something definitely like not every game you produce is going to be a winner but like you just kind of have to build up like mm-hmm. Tokyo RPG Factory based on its success should be able to grow naturally mm. like that's just how it works yeah. and like if you suddenly are able to make a new IP and push it out then great like not many companies want to do that mm. like you think about Assassin's Creed that was a completely new IP they marketed it very well they got people excited about it and then they used that okay so the first game had elements about it that were good but it wasn't like the best game ever but they then used everything that they learned, all the like the finances they got to then push the next game on to the yeah. next level. And then everyone was like, whoa, okay, Assassin's Creed is a big deal now. Yeah. But anyways, let's get on to the actual topic. Cause anyway, yeah. Maybe, like, so, so that was kind of like the... Intro. intro very long, very long intro. intro. <laughs> Basically to kind of set the scene is just say like, you know, at the moment Square Enix have, have got themselves in a bit of a, a, a pickle in terms yes. of... It's it's been a very long time since we've had a, a new Final Fantasy game announced, excluding the remake. Um, and it's also the longest we've had to kind of wait after the release of a previous game to the announcement of a new one. Mm. So yeah, like it's the previous longest time we had to wait was eighteen months, and that was after Final Fantasy fourteen was no wait. Um, when when was that? When what was we're that? doing? The previous, the previous longest wait we had to we had to go before there was a game released and then the next one announced. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it was Final Fantasy fourteen. Okay. So after Final Fantasy fourteen um, released, we had to wait uh, about eighteen ish months until mm-hmm. 
the next game was announced, which was actually only Realm Reborn. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just the same one again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so based on that, when when do we think they're going to announce Final Fantasy 16? Oh, I have no clue. Like, honestly, they have so much stuff, like big stuff on the horizon with 7 Remake and Kingdom Hearts 3 that like... I think it would be really silly for them to announce anything right now unless they seriously have a skeleton, unless they seriously have like a skeleton team working on it right now. They're already underway, like they already have the plans in place and they are um, hopefully going to have it out within the next like couple years, maybe. I mean, I think from everything we saw with Final Fantasy XV, they really don't care about uh, conflicting stuff. So I don't think the 7 Remake means absolutely it doesn't mean anything I th- I just, the fact that that exists literally like, means nothing i know i just feel like from a reputation perspective that they should care about that like i just i feel like they should care like regardless if they do or not i feel like they should care about that because like the first thing that will be out of like every cynic's lips once final fantasy 16 is released oh that's great but when is the final fantasy 7 remake coming out when is Kingdom Hearts 3 coming out? Like, why do we not have specific dates for these? You know, like, people are already, people will immediately get on the, on the parade about, like, freaking um, Square Enix taking so long. I guess it's, I guess it's how long they would take to release it after develop, uh, after announcing it. Yeah. typically, okay, so in the olden days it was like seven, six, seven months, but it could have been up to two years. Two years is about normal that right yeah i think that's good so if they if they for example announced this year which uh, i'm still being optimistic i i think that this i'm still on the track that i had right after final fantasy 15 releases i think they should announce final fantasy 16 almost instantly afterwards uh, to just get people right more excited again. yeah like just right on the wave because it's just it's dying down again like yeah it is final fantasy isn't it's kind of becoming a bit of a joke because of final fantasy 15's extended run yeah and now Farvest having the fact that they've reset everything. Yeah, so I think they should have announced 16 a long time ago so that people had something else to look forward to that can go well. Mm. Because like Square Enix just needs something to go well. Like the City of NT was a very smooth transition. Like they announced it, it came out mm-hmm. just over six months later. Maybe it wasn't the best of games, no. but they released it. But at least like things worked out for them. So I I genuinely hope they announce it at E3. Like mm-hmm. I, I really, I think it makes just complete sense for them to do so based mm-hmm. on that. Like just get it out sooner, as long as it's going to release within the next two to three years. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't see a problem with that, and I don't think that it would conflict with the Final Fantasy VII remake at all because I don't think it's going to be a situation where someone's going to be oh, I might buy one or the other. No, I don't think of it like that. Like, I don't think of it like that. I think for more from a reputation point of view, they need to release, they need to release some more things successfully before they can say anything about what else they're working on, in my opinion. But they don't have anything else to release other than the 7 remake. Well, they have Tabata's new IP, whatever that is. But that's not Final Fantasy. It's not Final Fantasy, but like that's the thing. They have they've kind of spread themselves out again because of that. But anyway, so who do you think will direct it? Who do you, who do you want to be in charge of it? I mean, I want to say it's Ito, just because he's not really doing anything at the moment. But I don't know why he's like. It's so weird because we haven't heard anything from him in ages. 
However, with all that being said, and this is like tinfoil hat theory, Final Fantasy XIV, right? It's kind of getting to the point now where it's getting a bit, it's, they're kind of scraping for content. I've, I've been seeing people uh, talking about the fact it's getting a bit stale. Yeah. Um, and so I think that Final Fantasy XIV will get to a point where it is self-sustaining. They can put another lower director or like a co-director, whoever's working on it at the which moment. Is, which is what they did with Eleven. They like took they could, people, like yeah. they had three or four directors throughout Eleven's tenure, I think. Like I really feel like that is a case where they can sort of phase out Yoshida and I really do feel like Yoshida is the best fit for it. Because if you think about it, so Tabata's already written off. He's working on his own stuff. He did not want to work on Final Fantasy. That's done. Toriyama has Mobius. And I also, I don't think Toriyama is, I don't think people want Toriyama. No, no. I think that would be bad. That would be bad market, um, bad PR for them because of Final Fantasy Thirteen. Regardless how you feel about it personally, it really did kind of tarnish his reputation. Not so much the original game. No, more... not more the sequels. Yeah. The sequels. And then three, you have Nomura. Nomura's already spread thin. I do not think that they would even trust him with another high-profile game on his plate. And, and Chiba as well. Chiba. I, he's, I would he's, love for him to do one. But they kind of said that he's locked into World of Final Fantasy now. Yeah. So if he's still doing World of Final Fantasy stuff, then he's probably spoken for. So I really do feel like the only one who's like free at the moment of the of the main sort of directors that they have at the moment is either Ito or Yoshi P. And I feel like Yoshi P has more of a better reputation than Ito. Um, just in the sense that I guess the modern reputation. Yeah, he he knows how to bring up a crowd. He knows how to do PR. He knows how to market his games. He knows how to bring people what they want and also tell a good story. And I think he's proven himself really worthy for bringing a game that like basically was dead and then completely I mean, reinventing yeah. it to the point where they have like massive events for it. They already have another one coming up. Like, you know, the stuff that he's done for the Final Fantasy fourteen in general is incredible. And I think that they'd be silly not to use him in that way. I I agree. I I can't I can't disagree with anything you said. Like I mean, yeah, like for me Ito, I really don't understand what is going on with him. No. Like th- you, this is someone who is he 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 is pretty much as ingrained in the success of Final Fantasy as Sakaguchi. I'd say that Ito is not not as important, but he's pretty much I'd say number 2 in terms of the importance of everything that was achieved. Like so many of our videos we've mentioned him in. Well, he cre- he created like the battle systems, the frameworks, yeah. he created the job system, like so many of these like things that people just think when they think of Final Fantasy, he created. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget as well that, you know, he was co-director of Six along with Kataze. They they shared responsibilities. He obviously directed nine. He was involved with Final Fantasy Eight in from a battle perspective. He obviously then was like uh one of the directors on Final Fantasy Twelve as well. He he's been so ingrained in in everything that's happened and then he just disappeared yeah and like that's the other thing because he has like he has the reputation from the perspective of like people have um 
people rave about Final Fantasy twelve. Like people who have played Final Fantasy twelve, um, who like Final Fantasy twelve, like absolutely rave about it. So like why why is he not being utilized? Unless he's just doing stuff behind the scenes and like Maybe and just like consulting. Yeah, like helping the next generations work on battle system and some stuff. I I I don't know, but I think he even if it's another situation where it's like co-directing, I don't see a problem with that. No. I don't, I don't understand why it needs to be a single person. Like, just let people go to their specialisms because, yeah, Kataze and Ito worked really well together to create six. Kataze looked after the story. Ito looked after all the gameplay mechanics and everything. Worked out great. And, um, you know, obviously Final Fantasy IX as well, which was Ito and Sakaguchi fulfilling similar roles. Um and Final Fantasy Eight was kind of similar, but Ito took more of a backseat in that one. I I don't know why like it it wouldn't work out with Ito working with someone else or just taking the mantle again. Like he's he's shown that he can do it. Maybe he's not confident with modern day development. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, like if you're running through the lists of all the people that are available, yeah, like Katase definitely doesn't want any of that because no. he's taken himself out. He's also on the board of directors now. Um, Nomura too busy. Tapada, not interested. Uh, Toriyama, yep, he's doing Mobius. And again, I don't think the public would be too receptive to him taking over. They've also, like, yeah, Chiba, we mentioned, um, he's kind of locked in with World of Final Fantasy. He's got Melly Melo coming out, and they've said that there's going to be like more stuff coming from that sub-franchise, mm-hmm. which is great for him because he's been yeah. able to kind of craft something for himself. But outside of that, there's no, there's no one else that they've really um, got. got. Like, there's... Unless somebody, like, just comes out of the woodworks and they're just like, this guy is going to take over. Well, it's like, you know, uh, we've talked about it before, but in, in Tabata's business division, they started, like, promoting people mm-hmm. up. Um, so you obviously got um, Tarada, who's doing uh, the season two DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Shida, who did two of their DLC episodes. He's giving them experience in directing stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, none of the other divisions are really doing that, apart from BD4, who obviously do Dissidia and stuff, but they're quite locked in with what they do. And Dissidia is is kind of going to be a thing for a while. Yeah. So I don't think Kujirauka is going to do anything uh, significant. And I think a lot of the battle directors who worked on the previous Dissidia games are now working on the 7 Remake. So yeah, like really, Yoshida is... I mean, I asked him about it yeah. when I spoke to him. Yeah. And uh, he did have like a vision of what he would want to do if he ever got the chance to make a Final Fantasy game. And he wants to do like a high fantasy thing, which is not something we've really seen for a while mm-hmm. from the franchise. So yeah, I think um, let's go for Yoshida and Ito Dream Team. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I would totally go for that. Him, Ito doing the battle systems and Yoshi Peach handling everything else. So... <laughs> Squirty Bertie when he was asking this was kind of like he wanted to know what would make 16 stand out for us like what would what would make it a game that would be on the like the high standards of of the ones that we we claim are the best it actually releases on time that that would be the <laughs> thing that makes it stand out yeah yeah because it would be it would instant, break the curse instant 10 out of 10 you released on yeah, time yeah you released on time a for effort uh no, but um the game the thing that makes it stand out is the thing that like Final Fantasy fifteen suffered from the most, and that was a story that is actually coherent and has a lot of twists and turns that you need in order to keep people engaged. Like Final Fantasy fifteen, I know that it was rushed and I know that 
Like, there's so much against it, and they did best with what they have. Um, but it just had no bread and butter. Like, I'm excited about playing Final Fantasy X-2 again. I have no, almost, like, zero desire to go back to Final Fantasy XV, really, because there just nothing happens. It is like, I go out for a hunt, I come back, I get some stuff, I go back out for another hunt, I come back, I get some stuff. Like, the only time that it really picks up is when you hit Altissia, and that's, like, nearer to the end of the game, Whereas the old Final Fantasy games, there was action all the time. Like every time you were going someplace, there was something new that happened, some big event that happened, and, and development. Development. There was character development, and I think that's one of the things that was really missing from Final Fantasy Fifteen because yeah. a lot of the um, a lot of what happened with the older games was was quite in your face, and there were obviously lots of hidden nuances. Um, like we've been kind of delving into it with the Origins videos we've been doing on YouTube, like. I surfaced a lot of stuff that people didn't necessarily realize about Zidane's character. But Noctis was just... I think when I did my Ignis video, um, we were we were doing kind of story reviews after Final Fantasy XV came out. Ignis stood out for me as a character who was interesting. Gladiolus didn't. Prompto didn't. Noctis... Noctis is... Like, I don't... This is going to get me a lot of hate, I'm sure, but... I don't. I really don't understand why Noctis is liked so much as a character. I don't because he doesn't do anything. I know. He's just like yeah. He's just literally a shell, a shell with really pretty Nomura designs. All like over they him. have some scenes towards the end of the game that develop him slightly, but they seem so out of character for him. They like they don't seem natural for him to be that way if that makes sense like he just yeah no i i i honestly i do not get it other than the fact that people just think he looks cool i just i i don't get it like if you compare him and his development to someone like zidane like it's like it's just night and day like quite literally like zidane has such character development and arguably Titus has a lot of a lot of good character development in his game as well what did you just say i did say Titus. i know i'm trying to i'm sick of getting yelled at <laughs> but no i'm it's not like yeah. to say that noctis doesn't have development i no, think it's just but it's not and it's not as good no, it's and not then, as well executed and then obviously because of what we talked about previously um the other characters didn't get their development in the main game they no. had development outside of that only which... ignis might have done and I, I, yeah, so like I really would want to, to kind of see a return to the strong storytelling because I I would say that Final Fantasy twelve suffered from that too, mm-hmm. and thirteen. Thirteen was okay. Thirteen had some jarring moments with like hope being like really hard. I think, but then... again, looking back on that, I kind of understand it a bit more. It, it but it, no, when we were doing the the videos, like I I was able to find so much material around Squall and cloud and um zidane i i found the same amount of material for lightning across three games mm. right and all this the novels and the whatever it else like there was a lot less to lightning's story and development even though she had three games yeah like it, <laughs> and and most of it was just kind of like super mental yeah um like all this kind of crazy stuff going on that and again like some of the most important parts about Lightning's development didn't happen in the game. They happened in DLC or in the novels or, or whatever. 
Um, and it's it's really it's really jarring. I think I've seen more and more people coming out and and kind of being critical about the way they handled Final Fantasy 15 with its universe. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of um, that there's a lot of uh, pre-assumed knowledge around certain things, and they just introduced characters that didn't really have anything. Like yeah. Ravis, if you're clutching at straws and you really want to try and infer things yourself, yeah, he does have some character development, but it's quite minimal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, they've added more in. And but- I mean, like that's the thing as well. Like Arden, like do people like Arden almost won um, one of the character battles? I thought I think it was on uh, Final Fantasy Peasant. Like they they had a ca- community character battle and he came second place to Sephiroth. Like Kefka, like there's so many other villains who have so much Kuja has amazing development. Seymour. But why does why does these sort of like basic like nothing sort of characters is it because we've kind of become complacent with the villains that we've expected from well, games. Well, I mean, 13 didn't really have one. Like, well, Caius, Caius is, incredi- is an incredibly deep character. He is. Yeah, Caius is the, the, Caius is the villain that we always deserved. <laughs> um, he's the character that we need. We're going way off topic here. I right, know, so basically, yeah. what would make it stand out for us is the story. Yeah, like it story. needs It needs a 100%. good, strong story, a strong cast of characters that have their own individual nuances, that have mm-hmm. development, because even if you're looking at Final Fantasy IX, there's a lot of characters in that game, but each of them have their own development, and that's important. Yeah. Um, another thing that was kind of discussed was games as a service. Square Enix have talked about the fact that they want to start pushing this into more and more games. And to be honest, I haven't really been opposed with the way it's been handled with Final Fantasy XV. What I've been opposed to is how they basically used it to supplement the game yeah so if they'd have released the game properly as they probably wanted to but couldn't then game of service could be ways to enhance the game like improve it or or do things that are superficial to, mm-hmm. around the game uh, as opposed to adding in like features that should have been in there in the first place yeah like adding in new t- new timed hunts don't have a problem with that because it doesn't really change anything it's like um you know, I'm still playing through Metal Gear Solid 5 at the moment and they have the FOB activities that happen every week. Like, it doesn't change the game. It's mm. just an additional thing that if you want to carry on playing it, there's a reason to do so. Yeah. Yeah, no. Because, like, honestly, after playing 15, I, I don't really have the desire to go back and play the DLC at the moment just because, like, I just don't... I, I There's not enough for me to have latched on to to really remotely care about diving in more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm happy with, with games as a service, just as long as they don't punish the gamers for their lack of planning and their lack of, um, being able to get the content out that they need. Cause yeah, like stuff like the Regalia Type D, it's just not, and like the bestiary, the additional cutscenes, it's just, it should, it's stuff that we shouldn't have been seeing. It should have been stuff like new timed quests. Yeah. Raising the level cap, like just s- silly things that don't really make a difference to... Episode Kenny Crow. <laughs> yeah, like, well... <laughs> <laughs> Kenny yeah, Crow just mod. like smaller, smaller tweaks and stuff that that help to supplement the game, um, but don't change the core experience. Yeah, definitely. So our last question on this, uh, Lauren, is when do you <laughs> think it should release? Uh, when Ali's in college. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I... 
I mean, I hope that it releases within the next maybe three to four years. Um, but that's my sort of gauge. I would love it to release this generation. Mm. I don't think it's going to happen, but if they could release Final Fantasy 16 in the next two years, yeah, I think that would be amazing for them. Yeah, but I, at this rate, I cannot see it releasing before the first part of the Final Fantasy 7 remake. No, which is probably going to come in 2020, 2021 mm. at this rate. Unfortunately, but yeah, that's kind of my prediction. All right, 20. If they could do it in 2019 or 2020, that would be amazing but i i just can't see it happening it's gonna i would say it's more if they announce it this year which is another if i can't see it being uh coming out until 2021 or 2022 yeah. a while ago and it could end up being one of the earlier games on the next generation of consoles yeah all right Lawrence, time to move on to our questions Woo-hoo. we're gonna have to try and bash through these yeah yeah the first one is from rachel casterton who asks, what's been your favorite minigame in the Final Fantasy series so far? Daryl's. I don't know. No, no, Daryl's. I know, and that's not, that's not punctual. Uh, it's not sharp. Um, <laughs> see, I was going to think Blitzball, but Blitzball is... It's, it's fun. like a guilty pleasure in a way. But it's it is not fun. Like, but it's really not as well. Yeah. Well, it can get a bit boring if you keep winning. And yeah. You're just like, well, I have Nimrock now. I can It's just those guys. games where you just want them to end. You just, there's like a speed up or something. Oh, that would just... be amazing if there was a speed up. They had that in 10-2, didn't they? But um, what else? Like This is the weird thing because minigames aren't actually that big of a staple no. in Final Fantasy. But can, I, just... can I just say mine? The one that I played the most probably is the Triple Triad game. I mean, oh, even yeah. though even though I glitched it, like I love Triple Triad. I thought that like I glitched it to get rid of the stupid rules because some of those rules are just absolutely evil. But yeah, Triple Triad is great. How did I forget about the card games? Yeah, that's poor. I didn't poor really show, play. Darryl. I didn't really play um, Tetra Master. Tetra Master. There's also I Sphere Break. Out of. Oh, Sphere Break. Yeah, I love Sphere Break. That was really good. But yeah, um, yeah, I really liked. I really liked. I Triple would say Triad. that I think, although the mini games haven't been that prevalent, um, they are like Final Fantasy VII. I think had a crap load, yeah. but but. They were one of the things that really helped to take down the seriousness of the games. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, like, with everything that's going Chocobo on Final Fantasy VIII, <laughs> you can just go and play some cards. Yeah. Like, against people that you would cards. not even expect to play cards against. I know. Oh, I have this, I have this super rare card. You want it? Like, uh, the, perf- the doctor, doctor, whatever his name is. Yeah. He just has, happens to have a card for you. But, like, yeah, like, they just helped to really um, bring things down to earth. Yeah, and like obviously Catcher Chocobo and Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy IX had Chocobo Hot and Cold. Mm-hmm. And the Jump Roping Challenge. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> the Jump Roping Challenge. All right, so your but next yeah. question, Lauren, is do you think, it's from Brayden, um, is do you think Theatrhythm All-Star Carnival will ever come out on the Switch or iPhone or Android? How did Theatrhythm do on iOS? Because uh, they had it, did they? I think it did okay. I mean, I don't know. Um, to be honest, I don't know if they should just bring life to this again. I don't know if like it's worth their time. I guess it would be cool if it came to Switch. I think I'd support that. But I don't know about iOS. I guess it's whether or not the control scheme would work. Yeah. Because the All-Star Carnival has... You need two hands, whereas obviously the um, Curtain Call and the original Theatrical, you only need one. Yeah. 
So I feel like th- the challenge would be whether or not they can implement the control scheme that would make sense. Yeah, definitely. All right. And this next one is from Squirty Birdie, who asks, what are some of your least favorite music from the franchise? You guys always talk about your favorites, so I've been interested to hear your least favorites. Come on, Lawrence. Have you thought about your least favorite uh, music? No, I have not. So we we do have some, and I, I know that one of them that Lauren is not remembering is uh, many of the re- re- rearrangements of 10. Oh, God, yeah. The rearrangement, some of the rearrangements of 10, like Challenge, was just absolutely ruined, just horribly. Oh, murdered. I just Ted Bundied. Like, one of the things about the old Final Fantasy music and some of the newer ones is, is that the tracks were always very memorable around the locations, and mm. Uematsu did a fantastic job of of uh providing soul uh through his melodies that reminded you of events places people and i think 10 was the first time where that really stopped happening because yeah. uh and i don't want to harp the guy but yunji nakano he wrote a lot of kind of incidental music uh for the, a lot of the, the locations in final fantasy 10 and they're just not they're just not really anything. They're- I will say one thing though. I did just think of one, and it's going to be a controversial one because I think you like it. Um, but Wandering Flame from Fall Fantasy Seven, the isn't that Wandering Flame or is that not? Wandering Flames from Ten? Oh, which one is that then? Uh, no, I could have sworn that there was a song called Wandering Flame or something. It's a song that plays when you're in Nibelheim. Oh, like the really like long chords strings do you not know this song that i'm talking about i can't say that your rendition was selling it to me yeah like what's wrong with that it creeped me the frick out does that mean it's your and that's why it's your least favorite that's yeah because it just creeped me out that whole sequence in Nibelheim just creeped me the frick out, and I cannot listen to that song. But you remember where it was from. I do remember where it's from, and you remember it even after all these years. I know, and I remember. But I still can hate you it. remember the uh, theme tune for like some of the some of the Nakano tracks? I didn't. Yeah, no. like the one that plays when you're um, uh, right at the beginning of Final Fantasy X, where you're uh, going around. Um, You've just landed in Spira. Oh yeah. Doom, 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 doom. And like, uh, like the 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 one where you were like going down into the sea to go to the airship. Yeah, that it's like, like, that's just nothing. Like they just, that's just absolutely nothing to that. But there are some other ones that like I just don't, I just don't really like. Like um, Esther's theme is not that great. Like for for all the other themes that were in Final Fantasy X, like Esther's theme was a bit like you mean this eight. is a bit or sorry in eight. Sorry, <laughs> You're getting all confused with the games. Oh here. my goodness, I'm getting baby brain, but it's Final Fantasy brain. Um, yeah, es- the theme for Esther in Final Fantasy VIII, I'm not the biggest fan of, or Lunatic Pandora. Um, just compared to the other tracks in eight, I'm just kind of like that that those ones didn't really yeah. sell it for me. But yeah, okay. And then our last question, actually, now I'm thinking about it, I do. I don't know if that track was called Wandering Flame in 7, but I'm pretty I sure that there remember. is one in, in, in 10. It's the one that's like really... Although you didn't really say what your least favorite track was. I I just... Just like, Nakano. Basically, just stuff basically that's by Nakano, Nakano okay. in Final Fantasy X. All right, I'll let you off the hook for that And one. Final Fantasy XII soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I couldn't help it. It just uh, has to be put in there. Uh, um, okay, 
So, which oval is from Gil? Uh, anyone know which overlooked or underrated Final Fantasy games do you think should get more love? Um, I think, honestly, 4 needs more love. I think the story in 4 is really strong. Um, the story of Cecil. Um, and, like, a lot of the other characters are quite synonymous with the series. I mean, you have, like, Rydia, you have Kane, Rosa. Like, you have all these characters that are really, like, important even Palum and Porum. Um, Yang. Like, there's just so many characters in 4. And I think a lot of people just don't go back and play it because it is an, a much older game. Um, it was the first game that really tried to modernize Final Fantasy. Exactly. And there are... It's basically... This is going to sound really harsh, but it is in some ways like a poor man 6. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can get that. And that's why I think that because people will more than likely play six before they play four. Like, I feel like that is kind of and I, I do, why I do feel overlooked. that's kind of a harsh way of saying it, but like, it's it's kind of, it's the game they had to make to get to making six. It's yeah. like, if you look at Uncharted and, and Uncharted 2, yeah. like Uncharted just isn't a better game than Uncharted 2, but it's still a great game. But if they didn't make Uncharted, they wouldn't have been able to get to. And, exactly. And um Final Fantasy 4 was the game that helped him to really step away and grow the franchise out because Final Fantasy 2 and 3 they experimented with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Final Fantasy 2 actually was in many ways the precursor to 4. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't really say that 3 was. Um, nah, 3 was like really bad again. But um you know it's it's very much a progression between like 4 sorry 2 4 and 6 and then 1 3 and 5 mm. because of the way they did their teams and stuff like it, it makes yeah. sense that that it would have that kind of progression yeah but i definitely think that 4 has a story that's definitely worth playing how about you you're going to say crystal chronicles aren't you i i thought that was a bit too <laughs> obvious um <laughs> To be honest, I don't think it should get more love because I think the people that play Crystal Chronicles know what it was about, and I think they know. And nowadays, it's really hard to go back and play that game. Yeah, like it's just it is. It's just not a game that is. Although we're gonna the, try logistically, it hasn't aged well in mm. in the sense that you, the like everything you need to be able to play it in the way it was intended just just doesn't really exist anymore. Like no. it's, it's not a game you can really emulate or anything like that because you need the four players and you need them to all have the Game Boy Advance. It'd be cables. amazing, actually, if they could do it on the like. Does the Nintendo like the Nintendo Switch? That could probably work. No, but you still need the um, you need the controllers. Yeah, you'd have to get you'd have to have multiple controllers. But if everybody just brought their Nintendo Switch with them, then you could work it. <laughs> like if, if everyone be, just happened, it yeah, just happened. They could work it out. They're they're geniuses. Come on. Um. I feel like Tactics Advance mm. because that it was the game that basically made me buy a Game Boy Advance. Like I, I, I was playing my friend's version of it, and I was just like, "Wow, this is intense! This is intense!" Um, <sighs> what else? <laughs> what else? What else? What else? I don't. Also, you could say you could I say don't really in a way there's, there's too many hidden gems in the franchise, though. Well, I think story wise as well, I think Dirge of Cerberus needs a bit more love like obviously the gameplay is not is not fantastic but the kind of lore that you get in final fantasy or sorry in dirge of cerberus is just like i mean the lore intense. it was it was intense but it was also a tad ridiculous in the sense that 
how they retconned a lot of stuff into the Final Fantasy VII universe. It was like, oh, yeah, by the way, right? So, you know, we had those sectors in Midgar. Well, actually, there's a secret sector that no one knew about. And oh, it's yeah. just, they've just surfaced. And then well, they had to the, do something. Yeah, like it just. But I do think the story between um, Lucrezia and Hojo is pretty interesting. Yeah, like I think it was nice that they managed to surface the story that Vincent didn't get in mm-hmm. the first game. But then. Yeah, it kind of makes you feel sorry for Yuffie because she just... <laughs> I guess she had stuff in Crisis Core a little bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't really think there's too many hidden gems within the franchise because most people would be aware of them. Yeah. Because they are a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. It's not like you can say, like, oh, yeah, like, people don't really think the Nier's It's more like or... maybe extend it more out to, like, hidden gems within Square Enix games. Nier? Yes. And then near again. Would <laughs> you love Chrono Trigger? I think most people like. I don't think that's an overlooked or underrated game. But I do think that a lot of people don't necessarily. A lot of newer gamers don't necessarily ha- haven't necessarily played it. No, but I would say that pretty much every single list that you see that's like top JRPGs or top RPGs of all time puts Chrono Trigger as number one. It's true. So this is true. I wouldn't necessarily say it's overlooked or underrated. <laughs> Uh, and I think a lot of the other games that Square produce, they haven't really done anything for a while. Like a lot of the older games that they used to pump out, like Europeans won't have had really because they yeah. just didn't release outside of Japan or North America. Yeah, which is annoying. So uh, there's not really too much I can I can comment really on. recommend or comment on. I never really got the chance to play Vagrant Story. I know that was very different because the gameplay on it was was so radical compared to what else had come mm. before it was like a turn-based game but you could target different parts of the the enemies mm. so you could say like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna target his arm because then he'll like drop his sword or That's whatever cool. um it's like an early that since yeah that's uh system but yeah i think that's uh where we're gonna end it yeah because i can't really i can't really think of can't really think of you one. just failed this episode daryl's honestly I'm sorry. Honestly, so much. Nah. Um, so yeah, so our music for this episode is from Final Fantasy IX, and it's an arrangement of the theme for Terra. Hmm. And it's by Medlix. Um, and she uses lots of different woodwind instruments to make things sound very pretty. Aww. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 19th of May. Be sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes store. Of course, if you search for Final Fantasy, we're there or thereabouts. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not done already. And, of course, you can catch every episode on FinalFantasyUnion.com, as well as all our news coverage by Brayden. And if you'd like to support the show, please be sure to check out our Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. And with that, I think we are going to skedaddle. Bye, guys. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production. <laughs>